It's time for Off the Clock with Dean Kucher, the only podcast that brings you Bronx business conversations with phenomenal guests, as well as the kind of fun and games that you've come to expect from the Off the Clock events from our Swigert Hall home. Join host Dr. Gene Kucher each month as he connects with three guests about topics of interest in business that complements what's happening in the classroom and in the field. Now get ready for Off the Clock with Dean Kucher, brought to you by the Norm Brodsky College of Business at Rider University, right here on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for 2019, 2021, and 2022 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. Happy New Year and welcome to the Off the Clock podcast with me, Dean Gene Kucher. I'm thrilled to be kicking off this episode, while I'm calling it a very special episode, because we're both looking forward and we're looking backwards. Forward, because this is the first show and the first episode of 2023 that'll be airing. So we'll spend some time talking about that, what we can look forward to in the new year, how we can get started with the best of intentions, but also looking backward, because I kind of think of us getting back to our roots. You might know that this podcast is itself a brand extension of our Off the Clock event. And Off the Clock, the philosophy that as excellent as our formal education here is in the Norm Brodsky College of Business and at Ryder, there's so much value with connecting to these other human beings that just happen to be sharing the same time and space at Ryder as we are. So recognizing that, building those connections, um, and really getting into the culture and the community here. So at the end of every fall semester, We have an event, think of it as part study break, um, part networking session, part low-key late night talk show. Uh, We have an excellent audience. We have games and prizes. It's presided over by our announcer, Charles Ray. And we have an excellent off-the-clock band. We have a couch that hosts a dynamic panel of one student, one faculty member, one alum. And they were so dynamic and likable that for a treat, we invited them back to be our podcast guests today. And as a special treat, they'll all be joining together for the full episode. So let's get started. Here we are with our same panel from our December off the clock event. Thank you all for being here. It's great to have the band back together. They're all sitting on a proverbial couch here. We happen to be on Zoom, but they brought the same energy and personality and we could get to know them a little bit. So why don't we start by doing some introductions. Dr. Lisa Rufer, why don't you start by saying how you fit into our Norm Brodsky College of Business community? Yeah, I'm happy to be back today. It's great to see everyone and see some friendly faces. As Dean Kucher said, I am Dr. Lisa Rufer. I am now a associate professor at uh, Ryder in the management department, and my specialty is sport management. And so I focus on all the different uh, classes that deal with the major of sport management and then the minor as well um, of sports studies that serves the entire university population. And you do it very well. Our students are very lucky to have you. Our programs really benefit from your expertise. Um, I think our listeners know this, but I'd like to reinforce it. Faculty are, of course, busy teaching students. They're also busy serving the university in various capacities, but you're also um, an accomplished scholar researcher. Share some of those questions that keep you busy as a sport management scholar. Yeah, as much as I love working with the students and serving on different committees, research also is a huge passion for mine as well as other faculty members. And so my area looks at the relationship building within the sport industry. And so how can these sport organizations develop better relationships with their fans? Without fans, we don't have a sport industry. And so we need them coming back every year. Um, COVID was a particularly hard year for the sport industry or two years for the sport industry. And so 
looking at how those relationships can be developed via technology, Zoom, via mobile apps, uh, NFTs. How can we leverage these technologies to build these relationships? And so every year, every couple of years, I really dive into different technologies that are changing on the market and how we can utilize them. Uh, so right now it is those mobile apps, those loyalty programs, as well as NFTs and how can we leverage those? And so it's really fun to look at. And I love getting my students involved with me too. Good. Very modern. You know, these, this is, this is very of the moment. So it's great to have you here and great to know that this is what you're busy with. Very good. Good. Um, speaking of students, I'm going to move over to our student guest, Juan Molina. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm actually really excited to be back. Um, I had a great opportunity to do this live. And so doing this on Zoom is just, you know, it really is phenomenal. Now, as Dean Kutcher noted, my name is Juan Molina. I'm a student at the Norm Brodsky College of Business studying finance, dual concentrations in private wealth management and investment analysis. Uh, with a minor in business data analytics. And I'm really trying to take advantage of every single opportunity that this college of business has to offer for me. Now, now you know, everyone knows we have this thing at Ryder we like called engaged learning. Can you share maybe your favorite engaged learning experience you've had since you've started here at the college? So I don't have a single favorite engaged learning experience since coming to Ryder University. You know, there's so many things, uh, or rather opportunities available that you can take advantage of as a student. Now, some of those that I did have the opportunity of taking advantage of actually came this summer. And again, I can't pick a single one, but I actually had the opportunity of going to Ireland for the study abroad trip and the Oxford trip with Norm Brodsky himself. So that was absolutely amazing. And I, I might add that the Ireland trip's at the beginning of the summer, the Oxford trip is at the end of the summer. In the very middle, I actually, uh, I was part of a governor's fellows program. And so everything was back to back. So I went to Ireland, started my internship. And then the day after I ended my internship, I went to Oxford. So undoubtedly it has to be this summer as a whole. Juan, you know how to do summers. Very well done. You spent you spent that summer very productively. Um, good, excellent. And I'll, I'll, say, I'll say both of those trips are happening again. They're happening again next summer. So anybody listening, everyone got a lot, a lot out of those. Um, I'm gonna move over to our alumni guest, Laura Glotzbach. Laura, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, you're absolutely right. I'm an alum. I went to Ryder in, oh, well, who doesn't matter, a couple decades ago. And just yesterday, feels just, like. Just, you know, when I walk on the campus, it does feel like just yesterday. I currently own a, a campaign marketing analytics company. So, Juan, we are very much in the space that you are minoring in or double majoring in with business analytics. And uh, I absolutely love being able to work with our clients to help them answer really complicated business questions. And I'll also add, Laura, here at the college, you've been really an invaluable um, part of our community. She served as an executive in residence. She has, is a leader in the Gail Bierenbaum Women's Leadership Council. She is um, a chair of our Business Analytics Advisory Council. And the list really goes on from there. She's very active in our business in action program. So it's wonderful um, to see all of the things that you do. And I'd love for our students to hear that there are people who are so successful that are still finding it worthwhile for them to come back and to participate in the life of the college, especially when you're also a great example of continuous learning. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently pursuing outside of all you do for us and all you do for your real day job? You know, I am someone that truly believes in being a lifelong learner and something that was on my bucket list was going to graduate school. Now I thought I'd do it right after I graduated Ryder, but you know, life happens, choices are made and next thing you know, it didn't happen. And I finally have started to do it. 
I am going to uh, Penn State in their virtual uh, campus, and I'm taking uh, a master's program in the psychology of leadership. So in about a year and a half, we'll be able to discuss uh, me finally graduating. It is a it is a five year journey, but the time's going to pass anyway. Might as well take do it with something that's going to like fulfill your your dreams. Absolutely, I love that you're doing that, and best of luck with continuing that. <laughs> Thank you. Time. Um, I've got a question for each of you, and it's going to be, if you weren't doing the job that you're doing or working towards the job that you're working towards, what else would you be doing instead? What's a dream job of yours from a complete, from completely out of the your current realm? And as you think about it, I'm asking our announcer, Charles Ray, professor here of legal studies in the Norm Brodsky College of Business, what would you be doing, Charles, if you weren't, um, you know, a, a professor here with us and also practicing law? What, what else would it be that would be keeping you occupied? So prior to becoming an attorney, I was a fitness trainer. I did that for about 15 years. And so I'd probably be back out in the field training athletes, uh, high school, collegiate, and even some professional athletes. Yeah. And I think there's probably some, a little bit of what crosses over from that with what you, with what you do so well here too. Absolutely. I teach uh, sports law uh, in concert with Lisa Rufer. There you go. So it just sounds like now that the name has been dropped, I'm going to move to Lisa to answer the question next. Lisa, what would you be doing if you weren't on our faculty? So I have two. On a fun scale, I would love to be like an influencer because that's a thing now. When I was growing up, that wasn't a thing. Like getting paid to be able to travel the world, take photos, meet all these different brands, maybe, you know, work with Laura, some marketing campaigns, you know, uh -huh. love to do it. Realistically, Thinking back, there was two careers that if I didn't go into higher ed, which wasn't my main goal either, um, where I would end up. I love forensic science, love like TV show CSI. However, I had a bad experience with bio in high school. And so it turned me off from that field. Yeah. Now, as an adult, I look at the music industry. When you're watching a TV show or a movie and we're thinking about a scene, your favorite scene, for me, one of the things that always stands out is the music. And yeah. So I would love to be the person that gets to pick the music that gets to go in those scenes. Yeah, I don't know what the name of that is. career person is. I'm going to find it, but that would be like a dream job right now. Like a score coordinator of some kind, not, yeah. this, not the composer. We nominated for an Emmy, right? Like there's that Emmy award of the person that puts the music in, get to work in that field. Yeah, I just, to me, like when you watch a TV show, like I could name it right now, like three or four, my favorite scenes all are set by the music that's played. So how cool would it be to pick the music? And there's definitely a through line there because you're into sports, which is all about scoring, and you're into TV shows, music, which is all about scoring. So I get that connection. Well played, Charles Ray. Laura, what would you be doing if you weren't in your line of work? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, my dream would be to be a keynote speaker in different types of conferences that could be possibly around the world talking about women's topics, particularly leadership. That is something I truly want to do. And at the same time, I would love to be a teacher at the college level, talking about data visualization, data storytelling, or quite frankly, management in some form of leadership too. Good. I, I might know somebody. Excellent. I'd love, to know, I'd love to know that. And Juan, how about you? Let's see, if you were not studying what you're studying, what would be something else you'd be working towards? So more than anything, uh, what a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm actually a biology nerd. And all throughout high school, I was that one person taking anatomy and physiology, medical terminology, gearing up to become a doctor. 
you know, when I'm 30 something years old and I actually figured out what I wanted to specialize in too. So it was either between dermatology or neurology. That's my, well, that was my bread and butter. And I was this close to actually picking biology prior to coming to Rider University. But yeah, I, I'd probably be doing something like that, venturing into the medical field. I think exercise science as a whole is actually really interesting too, helping individuals rehabilitate. So if I wasn't in finance, that's definitely what I'd be doing. Good. So many, you know, fascinating other sides of people that we don't know until we ask questions like this. And imagine if you were good friends with the with Lisa Roofer when she was selecting herself out of bio out of CSI work because of the biology component. Think about how life could have changed. So, well, I would probably I would I have said before I wanted to be a radio DJ. This is the closest that I've ever gotten. So we're getting there. All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's kept you busy in 22 and what will keep us all busy in 23. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. And we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kucher here on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. I'm here with Laura Glotzbach, Lisa Rufer, Juan Molina, and Charles Ray, and we are saying goodbye to 2022, and we're saying hello to 2023. Um, we're continuing the conversation we started with the live event, and I've got a couple questions. Since we're saying goodbye to 2022, I'd like to know what you'll remember 22 for. Is there something from your own part of the world or something from society or business um, that will stick out to you as truly quintessentially 2022. What do you think? Anybody have any thoughts? Juan, what about you? What are you, what are you gonna remember 2022 for? This might just be a little bit of recency bias as this is something that kind of just, just happened, but specifically the FTX crisis within the crypto market. Uh -huh. I'm sure everybody knows about that. Um, although towards the later end of 2022, I think this is something that really puts uh, kind of a spotlight on the crypto industry. I mean, everybody knows the situation, but specifically after the fact, I definitely think there's going to be a big push towards more regulation within that specific industry. And that's something that JP Morgan immediately after the fall of FTX actually put out as well, an official statement indicating that, okay, there needs to be severe regulations on this industry uh, to, in fact, prevent something like this from happening again in the future. And I think that's something that's, that's certainly going to carry over into 2023 and then for the foreseeable future as well. Good. Big story. Thank you for bringing that one up. Good piggyback off that one because I, in the sport industry that's huge right now right like ftx is a huge sponsor within the sport industry and so it's been a big disruptor as well um but i would also say within the sport industry specifically um there was a lot of changes within sexual harassment workplace discrimination we have teams that are or owners that are selling because of it and i think that's going to be a trend moving forward that we're going to see um hopefully a more level, safe workplace that everyone feels comfortable coming to. And so I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see moving forward as well. Okay, very good. How about how about you, Laura? You know, Lisa, saying the word safe kind of connects a bit to me of what I think about 2022. I really feel like for the past couple of years, my theme has been wildly out of my comfort zone. Everything has just been upside down and sideways. 2022 has started to become the year where things there, I realize there is no more normal. So let's just ignore that word and let's just get comfortable with continuous change and being comfortable with evolving. And, you know, we've really learned some really great things that we can do things virtually. Maybe we should stay that way or maybe we should do more things in person. 
and whatever it might be in between, especially in the industry, I, I can count on my, my single, a single hand, how many in-person meetings I've had. Really? Yes. I mean, like, I that's like unheard of. And each time I was there, I had like goosebumps. I was nervous. I was scared. And then I was like, I loved it. Like I, you know, but it took me a while to really recognize the benefit. I always knew it, yeah. but I know we can get so much done virtually too. So it's a continuous change and trying to figure out and navigate to me is what 2022 was about was really understanding how far we need to pivot backwards. And I think that story is still is still being written. I think yeah. all of us, like you mentioned, Laura, we're individually in our own place, mm -hmm. you know, on that and how comfortable we are being back. I, we've certainly seen it, you know, Charles, Lisa and I have seen it in terms of in terms of rider and in terms of students and in terms of modalities and you know there's things that we can do now and we're questioning do we want to do them you know is it best for certain programs so maybe bringing more strategy into that now that we have an idea of what we can adapt to and what we can do bringing some more strategy to what should we what should we right. do yeah i think that's going to be an interesting trend to continue and what is safe for every employee is going to be very different even the psychological works environment that you're speaking about, Lisa, is critical. And that also can become, what do they value? And that, I would imagine, be a trend we're going to see moving into 2023 as well. Good point. Thank you. Charles, mm -hmm. anything to add? When you think about 2022, what are you going to think about? Four letters, Gene. H-O-T-D. House of the Dragon, HBO series, the spinoff for Game of Thrones. I would look forward to that all year for like two years and then it just came and went so i don't think it's returning in 2023 i think it's 2024 but i'm looking forward to the return of that show i'm sorry i had to go light you guys were going way too heavy for me no i'm happy you say that because i'm looking for one and i forgot that that was on my list and so i'm back so thank you thank you for that i'm going to move us into 2023 um because there's no stopping time uh, there's been a lot said already about what we can expect in terms of business trends for 2023. We've already mentioned a few of them here, you know, in the workplace about how companies are continuing to evolve in terms of their in-office, their telework, their hybrid cultures. Um, another one that we can't get away from is sustainability. Obviously, that's not nothing new. That is not anything new. But this recognition that you know maybe it's maybe it's a stronger recognition than ever, or building recognition that climate problems need to be addressed, that social and governance, that what the uh, ESG issues need to be front and center in terms of strategies, and you know for those who have maybe been just going through the motions or it's been lip service, how can this be deeper and more committed? Um, in terms of talent, employees continue to look for fulfilling work. Uh, again, like we just mentioned, some flexibility in the time and the place of their work and, and a culture that they're satisfied with and that they want to be loyal to and feel uh, some security to. That has gone back and forth, this idea of job security for decades now. So where are we in that cycle now? Um, there's also accelerated digital transformation. Um, we can't get too far without talking about artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, a virtual reality, how all of this is affecting what we do. Companies are working around ongoing supply chain issues, uh, ongoing inflation. I think e-commerce is another one, continues after all this time to still be on the rise, uh, specifically prompting more attention now to that online user experience, some interactivity and some, some engagement when it comes to the user experience. And then the expansion of community building, of advertising and commerce on social media. So those are some of the biggest 
trends and predictions and stories or areas of predictions for the future, what in there speaks to you? You know, what do you think is, is at the top of the list for you? What are you most looking forward to? What are you the scared of, the most scared of? You know, where do you want to start? Uh, Lisa, let's start with you. So to jump out for me within the higher ed sort of realm is that workplace one. Um, students want more flexibility. We're seeing since a COVID trend, students have jobs. Uh, they have more interest outside of school because they were able to do so many things from home during COVID. And so I'm intrigued to see where that flexibility in that workplace goes moving forward. And then that leads me into the accelerated digital transformation. I think technology is going to play a role in that. But I also, and I don't know if everyone is aware, has heard of this chat GPT, which is the artificial intelligence that you can put a prompt in there and it will write an essay for students. And so I'm really intrigued to see sort of where that goes moving forward. So as students start to use it, as faculty, do we integrate it into classrooms? So like how does higher ed deal with artificial intelligence? Because it is going to change the landscape for students and faculty and admin moving forward into 2023. I, I can't wait to have this conversation this time next year and see if we have done, if that has worked its way into what we do. You just blew my mind, Lisa. I, I've not heard of that. As a brand new graduate student, I can't even imagine having something like, I'm so worried about plagiarism. <laughs> I'm like the opposite side of it. I freak out about all of the APA, you know, references you need. So that freaks me out. And I, so that scares me, Jean, but I'd like to understand it before I let the fear overtake me. How about things like, Laura, in your world, things like AI or other, other, other parts of the digital transformation, what are you thinking about? You know, what catches my mind is as consumers, we are all over the place. You know, um, maybe you have five or six different streaming places. You see TV, you watch shows. You don't even really call it TV anymore. It's just content without any advertising. How do we reach you? We have the attention spans that are just shrinking down. And as a marketer, we have to figure out ways that are more relevant and can reach your audience. I'd imagine even trying to reach the students at Ryder. It can't be through email. It has to be other things. What are the, those things that are going to get somebody to like respond and engage? And uh, it is going to, it's going to continually be a question, especially as fragmentation continues across the industry. Very good. Juan, how about you? I was going to go a completely separate route and talk about supply and chain issues, but I, I don't know. That's at, the points Laura and Lisa made were actually really interesting. And so I kind of want to shift it back to that AI space and, and meta as a whole. I think not a lot of people are actually realizing, but meta and Facebook as a whole are not doing very well financially. They're in not a terrible place, but they're not where they should be. And I think that's indicative of where this kind of virtual reality space is, is heading into the future. I think so many people think, okay, they're they're putting all their money into this. They're, they're putting all their eggs into one basket, but where is it getting them? It's not really getting them anywhere. And I think with that, they're trying to look at capabilities for the future. And so using meta virtual reality, augmented reality to, to market to, to people like students, to, to the younger generation that inevitably is going to grow up with that. But at this point in time, it just doesn't look like it's getting anywhere. Right. They're putting so much money into this. Uh, and for what? Is it a fruitless endeavor or are they really trying to pioneer, you know, something that's going to revolutionize the lives of many people in the future? Really well said. I, I want for us to follow up on every one of these issues uh, for our kickoff of 24. So you all have an invitation back and everyone else who's listening has an invitation to come back after this break. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 thebronxcom and we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kucher. 
here on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. We're back on the Off the Clock podcast. When we had our event last month, there were some questions that I asked around habits. And I happen to know that by the time this is airing, all of us will probably have made a New Year's resolution or two, if you do that kind of thing. I do. And that uh, maybe by the time anyone's listening to this, we'll already have dropped our New Year's resolutions. But let's forget about that part. And just let's talk about the idea of what habits maybe we should all have in mind. It's a new year. We've all started fresh. We have a lot of things on our goals list. And I want to ask for each of you to give some advice, if you would, about healthy habits for success for the new year, um, how, whatever that means to you. Who wants to start? What are some intentions you have for being your best in 2023? Laura, how about you? Well, New Year's resolutions are, are fun. And as long as we think about it that way, it doesn't feel so bad when they inevitably crash and burn. So every year I have a similar one where I try to make sure I don't have any typos when I'm typing really quickly in like a text message or instant message or something. And, you know, I tend to fail like week two. <laughs> I feel like all of my employees know the language I speak when I'm typing because it's horrible. But I'm really going to try to be better. Uh, we'll see. And then in terms of habits, you know, uh, Jean, I, I love learning. And I, I've been once described as an octopus because every arm has a book in it. Like I'm constantly reading like five or six different books at once. It slows down a little bit with grad school because that takes on a lot more reading. But I find such joy in even reading, you know, the cotton candy books, the silly books, the books about friendship, you know, not always self-help or management books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that makes you a well-rounded person to have exposure and maybe your, your genre is movies, but documentaries, there's so many things you can learn um, that are outside of your, your major, perhaps, that can help you even when you're networking to talk about something really interesting that you're reading about. Yeah, good point. Really good point. I'll tell you, it's on one of my resolutions every year, it's been met with different levels of success is to not just go to the, I was going to say section of the newspaper, although I don't even, you know, I don't even read, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just don't go to the, what you already know about, what you're already good at, what you, what you're drawn to, what you, to, but try to diversify a little bit. So, so that's one of my goals, especially when it comes to reading and movies is move outside the comfort zone a little bit. So get out of the comic section what you're yeah, saying you exactly. maybe read a yeah. little bit more business I, and finance. I just learned there's something more than a comic section you're right great i i, I applaud that there's a sports <laughs> section too there's cool. a sports section in oh, there too. good to know <laughs> i can't wait to put in my sports costumes on sunday you know it's <laughs> yes lisa how about you are there are there resolutions or intentions of yours for the new year so i don't always try to set resolutions only because similar to laura i feel like by week two i never get to achieve them um so instead i try to set like I guess goals that aren't like set, right? They're like yearly goals that like for me this year, my goal is I want to travel more. Yeah. I feel like COVID two years, year and a half had set me back a little bit on what I wanted to do. Um, this past year in work, I was a little bit busy getting tenure and trying to figure all that out. And so I feel like this year moving forward, my ultimate goal is I want to experience new cultures. So similar to Laura, like she picks up the book to do it. I actually want to like experience it this year. I want to try. So my bucket list is five this year, only two allowed within the US. So I do want to do a little bit more international travel this year. I've done a lot of the States, but I've only really done Canada and Greece externally from the United States. And so my goal is to get outside the US and see some more culture that way and experience it. 
who has a recommendation for Lisa? Where would you, where, where in the world would you go if you could? I've heard, I've heard Ireland is really great. Ireland, okay. Do you like cold stuff? Prefer not. I mean, I'll do it to experience it, like okay. Antarctica, but. Like, I totally don't like cold either, but Iceland is a super quick flight. I want to go there. Here, from East Coast. Yeah. And it's like one road around the island. You can't get lost. So I will say Italy's on the list already. So Italy's oh. one outside already. So that's one. So I need two more outside. Maybe Mexico. Switzerland's on my bucket list. Germany's on mine. Germany, do it in September. Go to Oktoberfest. I have a job that kind of, you know, I need approval from my boss for that one. I think. Forget that. Travel abroad, you know. We can do things virtually these days, Lisa. <laughs> Um, I would say Sicily, but I'm just, you know, still high up from White Lotus. So that's, you already said Italy, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's on there. Don't worry. Charles, when is White Lotus coming back? Talking about, thinking about 2023. Is that this, I need to see season three immediately. I know it's not happening right now. It's going to be a while. <gasps> Find something new. Okay. Juan, how about you in terms of, um, in terms of uh, resolutions or goals or intentions? What is something that you plan to be part of your habits for the new year? Funny, like. Like, like the other two guests, I've never actually like done a, an official resolution for myself. It's more just like little goals. I guess for me, one of the big things I really want to do is make my day more efficient. I think a lot of the times, like I have stuff blocked out. You know, I have my classes blocked out. I may have, you know, the times I go tutor blocked out. But there's just a lot of wasted time in between. And so one of the things I told myself that I'm going to do this following semester and moving forward is really section out my days. Okay, so this time I'm going to work out. At this time, I'm going to have X meal. At this time, I'm going to have my free time. During this time, I'm going to go study. And at this time, I'm going to go to class or do work or do anything else that I need to do. And one of the big inspirations of that is somebody in here, actually. And that's Professor Ray. Because when I took Professor Ray's class, I remember day one, he had everything blocked out to the very end of the semester. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really impressive. And for the most part, he stuck with that till the very end. So that's something I want to see if I can do just going on within my life. Charles inspiring, inspiring young minds. What do you have to say in response to that one? Well, that that really touched me because as I'm contemplating what I'm going to be doing for my New Year's resolution, the top thing on my list is getting back into a schedule like Juan had just referenced. Uh, I've been very, very busy as of late, and I haven't been the most efficient with my time. And so I'd like to rededicate myself to that sort of pre-pandemic. Professor Ray, when I had pretty much my workouts, my study time, my uh, class time, and, and everything in between mapped out, that for me was when I felt I was at my best, and I like to return to that form of form. Yeah. You know, I think time management is probably on the top of most people's list in one way or another, right? Any, any Anybody have a another tip that works for you in terms of time management that we can bring to the surface? I do. Okay. Sometimes your to-do list can be like a CVS receipt. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, a, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm never going to get through it. So you never will. But why not? Why do that? Just so you know, Juan, it's taken me a decade to figure this out. And I keep, I have keep reinventing this work about a to-do list until I figured out something that worked. And it's been working with me for about four years. So I feel really solid about this. I actually plan out two weeks. And in those two weeks, I schedule Monday every single day of the week. Mm -hmm. So if I know I have a project, I've got to pay attention to it, but I cannot concentrate on it now. I block it into next Wednesday, for example. So I, I stop worrying about it. I know I've, I've committed to it. It's going to be there, but it doesn't have to be this week. And then 
of course, I'm still over overdoing it each day, you know, with what I think I can get done. But it's really clear to me what I what has to get done and what can be moved down. And because it's in this two week visual, it makes it really easy for me to take on new things. Let's say, you know, Jean calls me up. It's like, hey, I really would love for you to come and do this this thing, I can look at my, my, my next two weeks and say, oh, I can totally do it. Or I'm going to figure out how to move some things around and make it happen versus feeling always under this panini pressure. I do love paninis, but I don't want to be one. <laughs> so, you know, that has really helped me to, to really plan out to the week I'm in and the next week and then have a, um, a continuous things I don't want to forget about part of my to-do list too, Juan. You might be, you know, asking somebody, hey, I need Lisa to give me X. I don't want to forget Lisa's supposed to give me X, so I also keep track of that too. So I never forget um, and hold people accountable, quite frankly, for what I need them to help me with. That's great advice. Thank you for bringing that one to the podcast because I think anybody who's listening who can incorporate that will benefit from it. Can I ask each of you if you can succinctly give me the best piece of advice you've ever received? Not about time management alone anymore. This is opening it back up. I asked you this during the event and I was inspired by some of it. So could you each give me the best piece of advice? Juan, can I start Can I start with you the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Yeah, I mean, I remember specifically the one I, I gave during the previous podcast. So I think I'm going to go with something different. Now, another, another piece of advice I think I can kind of throw out there is that it's kind of an analogy uh, in reference to a person in their life. And that is before an arrow propels itself forward, it has to go back. And I think that's really indicative of the ups and downs that a lot of people kind of face within their lives, right? So I think too many times we look at people and we see the success that ultimately they end up with, but we don't see the journey and those trials, those falls that they needed to pick themselves up from to get to where they are. Um, and so I think that represents fully, you know, the trials and stuff and the paths that the lives of individuals take. Um, and in inevitably, I, I think that also reinforces the belief that if you're in a, a trut in your life, if you're in a dip, then that's just setting you up to succeed in the future. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That was really good. Really good. Lisa, how about you? Best piece of advice you've ever got? So similar to Juan, I was going to do a different one than I gave on the live uh, event. And so this one kind of stems out of my life as an athlete, and it was control what you can control. Yeah. So we can only control, right? So much. I can't control other people's opinions, their actions, how much time they're dedicating to something. And so control what you can control. So if you're a student, how many hours are you putting into studying? What are you reading about? Uh, I've taken this from my life as an athlete into my career, right? How many hours am I dedicating to X, Y, or Z? How much effort am I putting into something? I can't control what everyone else is doing, but I can at least control what I'm doing. And that leads to typically a better result for myself. Amen. Very good. And Laura, how about you? Best piece of advice that you've ever received? So it's something that came out of some life experiences that I, you know, I agree with you on. Sometimes things aren't always so great and it could be scary and maybe a little fearful. But I've decided that if I say I have a big presentation to do or something that I'm a little anxious but happy and excited about, I, I know in an hour and a half, it'll be over one way or the other. And I'm still going to be who I am. I might even be better for it because I'm going to learn from it or be super excited because it went well, but I can pretty much get through anything if I put myself into that mentality that it's, it's only an hour and a half. It's nothing to fear. And if the thing, the thing I'm most fearful of happens, I can still survive it. It helps to kind of squash all those little voices that are like, you know, talking to me. So that's really helped me really push through and, and, and succeed, quite frankly. 
Yeah. Yeah. You'll still be okay. Excellent. Excellent. Charles, can you finish us out? The one that I would say, I think we've all heard it. I think we've all already taken it to heart, but it's one of those things I think bears repeating. They say that you should find something you love and do that for a living because then you'll never work a day in your life. And so for me, I have taken that to heart. I do what I love teaching here at Ryder University. And even though I just now complain that I don't have a lot of time, um, it's because I truly love what I do. And uh, it doesn't feel like I work in that sense. So I really, really think that's uh, advice that most people could, could get a lot of distance out of. Find something that you love and make that what you do for your living and you'll never work a day in your life. Agreed. Agreed. I'm very proud of myself for bringing this particular panel together because it's great advice, great input, um, but we will put your competitive spirit to the test with game time as soon as we come back. And we'll be right back with the Off The Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. And we're back to Off The Clock with Dean Kucher here on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. Welcome back to Off the Clock. On this special format episode of the podcast, we've been spending time with all three of our December event guests, Laura Glotzbach, Juan Molina, and Lisa Rufer. Charles and I are still here, and we've brought in our OTC team members for the best part of any off the clock episode and that's game time and to remind everyone listening our three guests are each playing today's game time segment on behalf of a student randomly drawn from our social media network lisa please tell us who you're playing for i am not just playing for i am winning for kyle gerber all right winning for kyle gerber laura who are you trying to win for that's nice to hear lisa but i'm fairly certain joy tang is going to take it all today <laughs> that's my i'm getting the chills Juan. Oh, that's hilarious, because Zayna Lee is taking it all. All right. I believe it from all of you. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, thank you, contestants. As usual, we have two fun games that we're playing. In honor of our episode's theme of kicking off the new year, our first game is called Happy New Year. Charles, can you get us started? Absolutely. So there are many traditions around the world that people engage in to usher in the new year. You will each be giving a world custom related to a celebration of the new year. You will each need to answer the question about this custom. If you answer the initial question correctly, you'll receive three points. If you can answer it after a second clue is given, then you'll receive two points. And if you have to answer it after a third clue, you'll only receive one point. All right, so now, Lisa, you're up first. Let's go. All right, I'm ready, I guess. Originating in the Southern U.S., Hoppin' John is a dish made from pork, black-eyed peas, and down. rice. As legend has it, Eating this dish at the beginning of the year will bring prosperity and peace for the year. The peas are meant to represent what? The black-eyed peas? Uh, keeping the bad spirits away? It's not the right answer, but it's a good guess. And that's why we also have two more opportunities. For an extra boost of luck, some people even put one of these underneath the dish. So whatever it is that that pea represents, they put that under the dish in some cases. A four-leaf clover? Good luck? Miss, uh, what? Another great guess, a wrong answer, but there is a third clue. This item is part of many New Year's traditions, in fact. For example, others will throw these objects into rivers, fountains, into basins of water, which will then be used to wash one's face, 
or from your pocket onto a windowsill overnight. You throw these. The only thing I can think of throwing is rice. Uh, well, you do throw rice. That's again not the other. Sorry, but it, the thing, I, the part that got me was you could take it out of your pocket and put it on the windowsill. Yeah, I have no idea what you would. I clearly do not celebrate New Year's appropriately. The, well, the answer is a coin, a penny or a quarter or some type of coin would have been the answer to that. Connect to the first part. A black eyed pea represents a coin? According to the legend, yes. And a hop and John, the peas represent coins or money. And as a fun fact, the theme of roundness carries over to other New Year's eating traditions. In Italy, it's believed that eating lentils or round fruits brings prosperity throughout the year, also because they figuratively represent the roundness coins. And with those fruits, they do 12, one to represent each month. And they do the same thing in Spain with grapes. All right, so Juan, you're up next. In Denmark, people will smash these things against people's front doors, leaving piles of broken pieces on the doorstep. What are they? Squash. I don't know. Smash Not squash. <laughs> That's okay, because there's two more clues. Our second clue? Traditionally, these are broken at the doors of your family and friends. On New Year's Day, one's oh, love yeah. and friendship can be viewed and measured by the size of the pile on the doorstep. We saw it a touch. I don't know. No, I don't think these clues, the second clue is not really a clue as much as just more torture because it doesn't really help much. It sounds like we need to move to a third clue. To be practical, Danes will often put these aside when they notice that the porcelain has cracked or chipped rather than ruining perfectly good items. I don't know. Unfortunately, no, the answer is plates. Oh. New Year's specifically, uh, it's, it's, it's in Denmark. Who knew? Well, now you do. And that's okay because we are at a zero to zero. So Laura, it's wide open for you. Here we go. Let's do this. In Greece, these objects are bundled and placed or hung outside the front door of homes as a symbol of fortune, fertility, and rebirth. Some sort of vine? Good guess. It's not some sort of vine, but that's good because I really like the second clue. On New Year's Day, parents will wake up their children and gently bonk them over the heads with this bundled item. Figs? Oh, that's a great guess, but it's also not figs. We move on. There's one more opportunity. Varieties of this vegetable include white, yellow, green, red, pearl, Spanish, and shallot. Onion. It's an onion. It's oh. an onion for a point. Yeah, Joy, oh, we're yeah. doing it. One point on the board. I have some other fun facts about New Year's traditions across the world. In Ireland, they bang Christmas bread against the walls in their homes to start the year with a clean slate. In Brazil, they head to the beach and jump over seven waves. In Singapore, they write their hopes and dreams and put them into spheres and float them up the river. And in Scotland, it's all about Hogmanay, where preferably a dark and tall man will be the first person to cross your threshold, bearing gifts such as salt, whiskey, and fruitcake. For our second game today, we're playing a game called Brand Loyalty. And you should know that we built this game around you, our guests. Earlier this month at the live event, we asked each of you which brand you were especially loyal to as consumers. What we remember was that Lisa, you're an Apple user. Laura, you like Kate Spade. And Juan, you are into Sony's gaming business. And considering all of that, we are going to test your knowledge about related details and facts. Each of you will get three questions. One question each about apples, 
bags, and games. And each correct answer is worth one point. Are we ready? Juan, you're up first. When played with standard rules, how long is a typical game of Monopoly? A, 45 to 60 minutes, B, 60 to 90 minutes, or C, over two hours? Let's go C. Oops, sorry, that one was B. 60 to 90 minutes, according to the rules, although, of course, depending on how you vary it, it can definitely go over that. How many apples are in a bushel? Is it A, approximately 125, B, approximately 75, or C, approximately 30? C? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That would be a peck. A bushel is approximately 125. Okay, final question. How many states altogether, and including New Jersey, have banned disposable plastic bags in grocery stores? A, 4, B, 10, or C, 30? Let's go C. That one was B, 10. <laughs> to all of our student listeners, let this be a lesson. You cannot make it through life just selecting C as your answer choice. Good try, though, Juan. Laura, you are in fact up next, so let's go ahead and get going. Which of the following was the first to be invented? A, food storage bag or baggie, B, the gift bag, or C, the trash bag? C, because C is the answer. <laughs> C is correct. C is C1, it is, you just gotta keep going. 1950, uh, and the, the, the gift bag wasn't invented until the late 80s, but really became the number one preferred way to gift since 2002. Chicken foot, matador, Boy. and Maltese cross are all different kinds of what? A, role-playing games, B, domino games, or C, card games. So I'll go with B. That's correct. They are Sorry, that was so <laughs> All see, right. Let's see what we could do with apples. How many solo studio albums has alternative pop singer songwriter Fiona Apple released to date? A five, B ten, or C fifteen? Five. That's correct. A is right. That's, that's, how, that's how we do it, Lisa. That's how we do it. All right, Lisa, you're up next. The Red Delicious Apple was known as the most popular apple in the U.S. until 2018, when the title went to A, Gala, B, Macintosh, or C, Empire. A, Gala. It's right. A is Gala. That is the number one apple now for quite a few years in a row. In the parlor game of charades, there are officially six categories of objects. What category is indicated when the actor acts as if they are pulling down a giant rope? A, book title, B, athlete name, or C, play title? Play title, C. That's right. It is a play title. You know it's a play when they act as if they're opening a curtain. Final question. What is the name of the part of the bagpipe where the melody is played? A, hornpipe, B, chanter, or C, reed. Just because the dean has a son by this, we're going C, reed. No, that's not it. And yes, I do have a son named Reed, and he was named after the reed that's on a saxophone, not a bagpipe. The bagpipe was actually B, chanter. Um, Lisa, I don't think I have to tell you that it didn't. you didn't quite catch up to our winner, today, which is Laura. Laura, congratulations for winning today's game time. Remind us what student it is that is now the, gets gets the benefit of the um, swag bag. Joy Tang. Joy Tang. 
who just did remarkably well in business in action not too long ago. She's a new, a new student of ours, and I'm sure that great things in her future too. Thank you guests um, for your participation and engagement, not only today, not only earlier this month in our event, but as, as very valuable members here in our Norm Brasi College of Business community. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you everybody for listening to the Off The Clock podcast. Please remember that all of us are here on the clock to give you a great experience and to invite you into our community culture in the Norbrasi College of Business. And we'll be here off the clock to talk about it. Thank you for listening and keep on learning. Thank you for joining us for the Off the Clock podcast here on 107.7 The Bronx. Special thanks goes to our host, Dr. Gene Kucher, our production staff, Jim Wister, Trish Adams, and Liz Carrion, and everyone at 107.7 The Bronx, including the incomparable John Moses. This is your OTC announcer, Charles Ray, saying see you next time when we can get together Off the Clock.